This is In the Word, On the Go, the podcast where we look at one verse from God's Word for 10 minutes of your day. Welcome to In the Word, On the Go. I'm Champ Thornton, your host. Whether you're listening by yourself or with a family, this podcast is here for you to spend 10 more minutes in God's Word while you go about your day. In each episode, I get to interview one person about a favorite verse from the Bible. And today, I'm so glad to welcome back my friend, Carl Lafferton. Carl is Executive Vice President for Publishing at The Good Book Company and the author of quite a number of books. He studied history at Oxford University, but he's written in the area of theology and even books for children. He's written Original Jesus, Promises Kept, and one of my favorites, The Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross. Before joining The Good Book Company, he worked as a journalist, a teacher, and a pastor. Carl is married to Lizzie, and they have two younger children. Carl, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, it's great to be with you, champ. Thanks for inviting me back. It's always a joy to talk with you. I am eager to hear your thoughts on the passage today. So what verses do you have? So we're going for uh, Exodus chapter 26, verses 31 through 33. Uh, This is the Lord speaking to, to Moses, and he says, You are to make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely spun linen, with a design of cherubim worked into it. Hang it on four gold-plated pillars of acacia wood that have gold hooks and that stand on four silver bases. Hang the curtain under the clasps and bring the Ark of the Testimony there behind the curtain. So the curtain will make a separation for you between the holy place and the most holy place. Well, Carl, you're safe in that no one has chosen those verses for... Uh, Boom, that's what I was aiming for. <laughs> congratulations. So before we get to like why you chose these verses, mm-hmm. let's go to what these verses are all about. So there are three verses. It's a little longer than normal. So maybe you can kind of compress the idea for us. What's going on here? So we're in the second half of Exodus. The people of God have been rescued from Egypt and they are uh, in the wilderness under Moses' leadership, heading for the promised land. And uh, God is giving his law to them. He's given them the Ten Commandments. And in this part, he's telling them how to make the tent, the tabernacle, in which he will dwell in the midst of his people. And um, there are chapters and chapters of instructions Hmm. about exactly how God's dwelling place must be constructed and what it must be made out of. That's the context we're in for these verses. And so as we look at these verses in particular, then what is the Lord telling Moses to do here? What's what's going on? There's something about curtains and cherubim. And... Yeah. So he's told them that he will dwell on the mercy seat, which is uh, on the top of the box, which is called the Ark of the Testimony. And here he's telling them to make a, a, a curtain that will sit in front of the Ark of the Testimony hmm. inside the tent. It's the curtain that comes between where the people, even the priests, can go in the, in the tabernacle once they've made the sacrifices uh, and where God himself will dwell. And the really interesting bit is that little detail, which is so easy to miss, where he talks about the colors of the curtain, but then he says that the curtain needs to have a design of cherubim worked into it. So why is the Lord concerned that there are angelic beings or whatever a cherubim is? Maybe you have a different opinion. What's going on with the cherubim? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So cherubim are angels, essentially. And I think what we need to do is get rid of the sort of quaint, cute little angel 
uh, idea. They look a little bit like Tinkerbell the fairy. No, no, no. Uh, angels in the in the scriptures always produce fear in those who see see them, mm. uh, and 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 they're very hard not to worship. And that I take it is because they are extremely powerful, imposing, intimidating, uh, divine mm. beings. Mm. And so that that's what the cherubim are. And the reason that the cherubim are being uh, embroidered into the curtain here is, I think, because the whole tabernacle is meant to be a reminder of Eden. You have loads of things in the tabernacle, pictures of trees, um, lampstands that look like trees and so on. And everything's meant to say, this is God's home. This is Edenic. This is a little glimpse of heaven. But the reason that we're not in the Garden of Eden is because of our sin, because humanity was cast out. And when humanity was cast out in Genesis 3 and verse 24, God placed what on the edge of the Garden of Eden with a, a flashing sword so that nobody could come back in. It was cherubim that he placed there. So the cherubim outside Eden are to prevent sinners coming into God's presence. And the cherubim here on the curtain are, if you like, a visual reminder that sinners cannot enter the presence of a holy God. That's what the cherubim are there for. And so it's it's showing that this curtain is a huge no entry sign blocking the way between sinful mankind and the holy, perfect and all pure God. So that's an amazing connection between this verse and the beginning of the Bible. I remember reading your book, The Garden, The Curtain and the Cross, and I'm thinking yeah. here like, okay, this is the same curtain. So why don't we move yeah. the other direction in the Bible and yeah. go to the New Testament? How does this curtain and the cherubim connect with the cross? So when you get to the cross, uh, what do we find happens immediately that the Lord Jesus uh, breathes his last breath, gives up his spirit to his father, uh, has borne the punishment for our sin, has shouted in, in the Greek tetelestai, which means it is finished, it is paid. Uh, what happens? Uh, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. God's way of saying that he stood the cherubim down, he's mm. taken the sword away, and there's nothing in between us and coming into the presence of God, because our sin is paid for, our sin is wiped away. And then at the resurrection, what do you find either side of the empty tomb? You find two angels, two cherubim, mm. uh, but they're not there to keep people out, as it were. They're there to announce that the Lord Jesus has risen, that he's kept his promises, that everything he said has been and will be fulfilled. And so the, it's at the cross of Christ that we uh, find the way back into uh, the very presence of God, the very even, if you like, of mankind being able to live with God. I love it. So, Carl, let's say that you and Lizzie are sitting down with your two kids and you're talking through these verses. How are you going to package it up for them so that they can think about these verses and how they might apply to their lives? Well, I'm going to be wanting them to, to notice all, all the details. And then I'm going to want to say, hey, what, why do you think they embroidered cherubim on the on this curtain that was the the, the separation point between God and uh, and his priests and, and, and humanity, if you like. And I'm going to hope that they remember that in Genesis 3, uh, there were cherubim at the entrance to Eden. I, I'm maybe going to need to remind them of that because they're five and seven. But I'm going to want to, I'm going to, want to underline three, three things, I guess, from this. One is the seriousness of sin. Uh, if we had lived in the camp or later, if we had lived in Jerusalem and, and gone to the temple, there would have been visual representation of the effect of our sin that that we cannot live in the presence of a holy god 
And, you know, I think we talk about sin, we talk about the effects, but that that visual image of you may come so far that no further hmm. is, is actually a very helpful way of underscoring the seriousness of our sin. It is no trifling matter. Um, that's the first thing I want to talk about. The, the second is this curtain, the, the calling, God, God always knew what he was going to do. This curtain, he told Moses to make it so that he could tear it. Hmm. He made sure the curtain was in the temple so that at the moment that his son died, he could show visually the achievement of his son's death. And, and I think that it, it enables us to marvel at the cross again. It enables us and moves us to, uh, to worship. And, and then the third thing, therefore, I want to underline is Scripture is amazing. And there are these threads that run throughout the Scriptures. Here is, here is one such. Literally. Uh, there are many more that are more obvious. Yes, uh, there, are many, there are many more, and, and some are more obvious and some less. But, you know, you and I will spend a, a lifetime reading the Scriptures and seeing more of the threads and discovering more of what God has said. And I dare say we'll spend most of eternity or perhaps all of eternity rereading the scriptures and, and seeing more and more of it. It's a thing of beauty and wonder to see what God has written, but even to behold mm -hmm. what he's done for us in the cross. So thank you for pointing us to both of those dazzling portraits of God's care for us. Carl, would you close our time by lifting these verses up for us in prayer? I would love to. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge before you that our sin is no small matter that we do not deserve to come into your presence. And so we praise you that there is no temple curtain now, that it was torn apart by the death of the Lord Jesus. The cherubim was stood down and we praise you that now we can enter into your throne room. We're doing it right now in prayer. And one day we will walk in with all the confidence of knowing that the curtain is open and we can enjoy Eden in your presence forever. We praise you and magnify your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to In the Word on the Go. For more information about this podcast or to listen to past episodes, visit wordonthego.net.